0: And on it, there will be many
1: chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick crispy, So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
0: I'm Steve Letart, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner Plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline, and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline.
2: Greetings. Welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Our guest is Rico Abreu, who has quite the story. He is the two-time defending winner of the Chili Bowl. He is a rookie driver for Thor Sport and the Camping World Truck Series, who has shown promise this season. He has been driving for only a few years after getting a relatively late start in his teens. He started an open wheel on dirt and only began driving stock cars last year in the K&N Series. But perhaps the most remarkable part of Rico's story and certainly what attracts attention is his stature. Rico is four foot four and weighs ninety five pounds, and he uses modified foot blocks, pedals, and spacers to help him drive the cars that he races. So, naturally, in this podcast, we talked about how that's affected Rico's professional career and his personal life. Credit to Rico for being very candid about that, particularly about how his family, which is in the winemaking business in Napa Valley, has been very supportive and helpful in making him feel like anyone else. We also chatted about the importance of driving simulations and simulators. I talked to Rico at Toyota Racing Developments Facility in Salisbury, Salisbury, North Carolina, after he'd spent four hours behind the wheel of a state-of-the-art simulator there that Toyota has. Uh, we talked about that. We talked about his optimism about the race at Eldora Speedway, the truck race, where he is back on the dirt and might have an edge against some of the truck series racers who have had maybe the edge on him this year on asphalt. And we also talked about his relationships with two Sprint Cup veterans, Kyle Larson, and Tony Stewart, who has become a good friend of Rico's over the past year. As always, we appreciate you listening. If you're an iTunes fan, please leave a rating, review, or subscribe, or have your friends subscribe. It really helps us out. There also are many other options for finding us. That's Boom, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, uh, a host of podcasting apps. We generally have episodes every Wednesday, sometimes more than that, depending on if opportunities arise for more guests. So if you're subscribed on iTunes or if you're on any of those apps or elsewhere, uh, you won't miss an episode. Uh, also a reminder that NBC Sports broadcasts NASCAR race weekends, including Xfinity and Sprint Cup practices, qualifying and races. Check the NBC Sports website for listings about where to find TV information, or you also can always stream it via the NBC Sports app. Download that to your tablet or smartphone or watch on your laptop. You also can catch NASCAR America on weekdays at 6 p.m. on NBCSN, and please check NBCSports.com Sports, NBC slash NASCAR for all the daily analysis and news you seek. So now let's get started with Rico Abreu. Rico, thanks for being here. Uh, I know this was a busy day. I was just watching you drive laps in the simulator here at Toyota Racing Development which looked like mis- mission control in a NASA room. Were, I, I, we were in one room, and you were talking from the simulator on the other side. Um, it was quite the technological setup. What's that like for you as a driver to be in that driving um, simulator?
1: You know, it's a. I feel like it's huge um, for me. Um, one, um, one thing I really look at it is uh, how NASCAR has limited a lot of the testing policies um, for rookie drivers, um, and us rookies not being able to, um, see any of these tracks, uh, you know, before we get there. Um, so, um, being able to have access to the simulator here at Toyota is, is, um, it's huge for me, um, it's huge for my team, my crew chief, um, he can run through setups, I can learn the track, um, so, um, both parties can, you know, work in differently, um, in different conditions as well, uh, just with the setup, uh, side for my crew chief, Doug George, and, he can run through his setup and I can, um, learn the new track. Right. And so you're, you're in this rig, which is attached
2: to like a sled and you're driving today. You were on a simulated version of Pocono raceway, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and you'd never, you've never raced there before. So this is like your first. Yep. T- so today
1: trip. we're the first laps I've ever seen at Pocono. And then in a few weeks, um, hopefully I'll, you know, obviously have my feet wet getting there. I, um, the last few tracks, uh, Kentucky, um, Dover, we all did Sims. And uh, I felt like I was, um, it was a huge advantage for me um, not being on any of those tracks. And that's really where uh, I've excelled this season um, on the tracks that I've been able to run on the Sim. Um, And I just feel like it's a lot, you have a lot fresher start um, and you have uh, more reference points um, to use when you show up. And it feels like you've been there.
2: Yeah. Uh, What's it like to be in that? rig cuz it looks like you're wearing your helmet you have like actually like a cool air yeah.
1: system to to simulate what is actually like essentially it's supposed yeah. to be um you know what is going on in real life and i feel like it's really close um, it? yeah. Okay. besides you know obviously you're in a, a darker room a darker environment but you're looking at a screen um in the daylight so um you know it it's really impressive what they've built uh and for me to get the opportunity to be able to race it i know it's really hard to um, have time to get on it. and um, with my busy schedule, um, it's hard for me to get here and get time. But when I do, um, I soak it all in and um, I usually after I leave today, I'll go home uh, and think about it and then write down all my notes um, from the sim today and then I'll call my crew chief Doug and and go over um, everything today just because it, it can be um, you know, sometimes you don't um, remember things um, right when you get off or remember um, adjustments or, uh, that he makes, and then you can go back over them, which, um, helps. And, and usually, um, my, you know, the Thor guys, they fire off, uh, at the track, what they, um, ran for setup on the sim. Um, they check their ride heights and their splitter, um, heights and, and they go right from there, which is, um, really cool. Yeah. And you did this, uh, for Dover and you hadn't been to that track before as well. Yep, okay. I've done um, Dover, Iowa, Kansas. Um, I've done almost, um, besides the Super Speedway stuff, um, all of the tracks. Um, I I, had, I didn't do Iowa because I've been there twice this year. So, um, and it was a, it was already full that week for me to get here. Um, but um, usually, I get to the tracks that uh, I've never been, and with my um, road course less Road course experience, um, I have don't have much. Um, I ran Watkins Glen last year, um, in the Canadian East race, so uh, I'm gonna get on here a few times um, for the road course race in Canada.
2: And it does make a difference, like when you get oh, to East tracks for the first time, you, yeah. it's like you've been there before. It, it yeah.
1: feels like you can fire off a lot huh. um, more comfortable than being never seeing the place and and having to figure it all out. Have you wrecked yet in your virtual? Scene um, like? I've hit the wall. That's <laughs> okay. the only thing, and it kind of just bounces off the wall and. Um, You keep going. Um, I I did get in the grass one time, um, but it's, um, you know, I treat it like a real race car, um, and I treat every opportunity I get here like it's real um, because that's how everyone else treats it in that room.
2: So many guys seem to be doing this now, Rico. We've had Landon Castle on this podcast, Brennan Poole, Parker Kligerman, all of them have talked about it as well. It's just, I I would think that you being a young guy, you, you probably grew up playing video games, and this probably isn't any different for you as it would be for any of them? Is that kind of how you guys look at it? Is it just a general extension Um, of?
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, to be able to use it as a tool, um, as well, um, you know, uh, and it's not necessarily, you know, you don't really treat it as a video game just because, um, I feel like you have to treat it like you treat your equipment that you race every weekend. So, um, you know, when I'm here with my crew chief, uh, you know we take everything really seriously and uh, and run through his setups and then and I'll get to learn the track at the same time. Um, I believe the road course date that I'm doing, he's not going to be here, so I'll just get to run a baseline. Or they can email over a setup, and um, Patrick, who runs the truck side of the sim, um, will just let me run some laps. But yeah. uh, I think it's a huge advantage, and um, and I'm really lucky to be able to do it. Do you
2: prefer it to real world testing that eliminates all the hassles or logistics of getting to a place and doing it?
1: Uh, I think any on track time I can Still get um, as yeah. a rookie, yeah, is <laughs> yeah. huge. Um, just because um, I need you know laps, I need experience. Um, just this this is so new to me, and um, it's taken me a little bit more time to figure it all out. Um, but I feel like. Um, you know, any chance I get here or, um, any chance we get an extended practice, um, those are my better weekends.
2: Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Rico first season in the camping world truck series, uh, your, your rookie this year, I know it's probably not going as, as well as you want because you're not winning every week or finishing the top five every week, but I'm sure there was also be an adjustment period. How, how do you, how would you rate yourself so far? How would you evaluate? That um,
1: score? you know, I, I feel like I need to be doing a lot better, uh, and, I feel like our speed is there as a team. Um, it's just uh, not the results. We're not getting the results, um, you know. And it's just uh, minor errors between um, me sliding through my box or um, a pit crew guy missing a lug nut or, or having a vibration or um, you know just just little mishaps are setting us back. But um, the the biggest thing is we're working really good together as a team and there's great chemistry there, um, so we're able to. Um, fight through it all and I feel like the second half of the season is is really where we're going to excel is there uh, there's probably no way to eliminate some of that learning curve Um, right I mean no not it's hard yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's really hard uh and um it's just about memorizing your mistakes and uh that's one thing um I've learned over the few years I've been racing and that's one thing I'm learning in the truck series it's I've never really been focused on one series in my career um (laughs) I've bounced around in so many different race cars, so it's um, this year I, I, I'm really putting a lot of focus in it, as well as um, next year I'm going to too. Is it is what's like the the biggest
2: challenge so far, and not just trucks this year, but the, the K and N last year? Is it is it pit stops? Is that um, just what's more so, different from yeah, race
1: lengths um, and, and timing. I feel like it's a lot of timing and positioning yourself um, to be there at the end of the race, and then. Um, the biggest thing about the truck series is we practice in the daytime, um, and we most of our races or majority of the races are at, in the evening. So, um, track conditions, temperatures, all different. So it's knowing um, where to finish practice um, to and knowing if you're good enough to for the race. Uh, so the, just those little things, and I've relied a lot off Matt Crafton and um, his knowledge, uh, just because he's so detailed um, with how he explains things, and, and he's been a huge help uh, mm-hmm. for me and. Um, you know, earlier in the year, I've had a lot, I had a lot of speed, uh, you know, like I said, Dover, Charlotte, Kansas, Texas. Um, and then, uh, you know, we had to get new trucks, um, you know, from me crashing those trucks or or needing new right sides where I feel like it set us back a little bit. Um, and, um, but this next, uh, this next cycle of trucks that are coming back are all, um, in good shape. So I feel like, um, my confidence is up and, um, you know, the, the speed is there. It's just about, you know, putting a whole night together. And, um, there's so many different variables that can go wrong. It's just, um, nothing can go wrong to nothing has to go wrong to put a good night together.
2: Yeah. I hear you. was your, was your best race so far. Do you feel like, was that Texas? Yeah. I think Texas,
1: Dover, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Um, those are my best races I've put together and, and just little things have happened where, um, they set us back.
2: Yeah. not You don't only have this learning curve that you're going through, but you, you also have a little bit of turmoil with the team, obviously, with, with the fire at the,
1: the, the Thor Sport shop in Ohio. Has, has that impacted you guys at all? Are you guys be able to recover um, from that? I feel like it, it actually has brought them together um, hmm. and, and where they've um, worked to get to more closely together um, between the 88 guys and um, the 98 guys and, and the 41 guys and the 13 guys. They're all working um, they're down the road in the same shop. So, um, they're all still close together. And, um, I believe Friday they're all moving back into ThorSport. Sport. Oh, are they? Okay. Yes. But so
2: no impact for you at the
1: track? You feel like it's, uh, I don't think so. Honestly, I don't, I don't think so. No. That's great. That's great.
2: Heading to Eldora. Actually, this, this episode will come out that the day of the Eldora race, is this maybe a track that you go to and feel like given all your dirt experience, given that the, yeah. the <laughs> sprint cars are what you grew, grew up um, on, you have an edge it's,
1: here? Uh, it, it's an exciting race. Um, a dirt track racer won last year, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be tough this year with Christopher and Kyle um, and myself. I feel and with as long as, as well as all the other truck drivers. So, or I just think that you know the biggest thing is you got to be there at the end um, mm-hmm. and just position yourself um, to be in those first few rows at the last restart and uh, make something happen at the end of it.
2: But this one probably sets up for all the learning you've had to do with all the other places. This one, the format's different. It's probably a little bit more yeah, more, more so accustomed a, a, to what a sprint car,
1: open wheel, you know, yeah. USAC format where they run a heat rate, you qualify, run a heat race, and then run a a main um, at the end of the night. So um, it's just with a thirty four hundred pound vehicle instead <laughs> yeah. of fourteen hundred pound vehicle, which is um, you know I'm used to the trucks now, so it should be fun. Yeah, um, and I think not putting too much pressure on myself just because you know it's it's a dirt race and um it's kind of where I've grown up with um dirt racing and and uh, it'd be a good race to win. Yeah. So you you grew
2: up as you mentioned racing on dirt and I was reading this your family actually built you a dirt track
1: pretty much yeah. in your backyard. So <laughs> um my dad, you know, bulldozed a, a dirt track that we built ran go-karts and motorcycles on and um we just kept adding on to it each year and um, once I started racing every weekend competitively it was hard to get out on the track but my first full year I didn't race competitively I just raced on the track by myself um, mm-hmm. on the weekends off um, when we weren't um, had any sports uh, or athletic events um, you know and we also I showed um, you know 4-h and FFA market swine so those were those took up a lot of weekends and um, but then racing kind of over power to all that. <laughs> yeah. I, you you
2: realized that was something yeah, you loved to do. Yeah, something I really enjoyed doing. Just doing solitary laps around this dirt track.
1: And yeah, dirt it got, dirt got dirt boring dirt. after a while because I, <laughs> I didn't have anyone to race against. <laughs> what
2: kind of, uh, what, were, what was the size or parameters um, of I the track? I think it's like
1: an eighth mile. Uh, okay. It used to be on a hill, and uh, my dad had vineyard. Um, my dad's a vineyard manager, so he had vineyard planted there. Well, the soil um, wasn't as fertile. It was a really adobe clay, so it held a lot of moisture yeah um which was hard to manage um you know the crop with the with the water um just because you know in the winter time it held a lot more water than it did below the valley so uh i think he just bulldozed it and built a track well the first year it was like you were, it was like a 18 percent downhill slope so you ran downhill into turn one and then uphill <laughs> into turn three and then uh, they finally leveled the field out so it was even and um they put some walls up and now it's a it's a beautiful area um if uh if some of you guys have seen pictures um it's you know it's what I call home yeah
2: and home is in the Napa uh, Valley Saint, yeah
1: Napa Valley St. Helena California Saint- La- there's probably no other just about 35 miles north of
2: Sonoma. Gotcha. Um, so there's, there's obviously the r- racetrack nearby in Sonoma. There's a road course nearby, but probably
1: no other many dirt tracks. Um, uh, there's a few there? Are there? local okay. dirt tracks, um, Petaluma Speedway in Sonoma okay. Valley um, and Calistoga Speedway right in the heart of the Napa Valley. Nice, nice. How often do you get back? Um, well, th- it's been like three and a half months since I've been home. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I- I'm looking forward to next week going home for a week and then uh, heading to Pocono. This is the uh, nomadic life that you
2: signed up for, I think. Uh, yeah, when you started I, and I'm fine parks, with right? it. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, you might as well do it now while you're young, and then, um, you know, maybe later on in my life, I can move back home and, um, you know, be a vineyard manager. <laughs> I'd say things are working
2: out pretty well for you so far. You're uh, back-to-back winner of the Chili Bowl, uh, which, of course, many would consider one of the most prestigious dirt races, uh, right up there with, with I would think Knoxville and. I yeah, guess. I think yeah. it's
1: at the. I honestly think Chili Bowl has um, become the top. Become the uh, doesn't, top one. It doesn't pay um, what the top races pay, but I just think uh, the prestige of the race, the history of the race, um, the and, and the past winners, um, and how hard it is to win. I think it's um, the you know the biggest open wheel race um, compared to the Indy 500. Well, that was certainly evident in your celebration after your second
2: win th- this year where you, you spun, I don't know how many times you did a rotation uh, in your in your car. Uh, how did you come up with that celebration? Is that something you've done know. before? I It's
1: just you, your emotions <laughs> are high. It's, you know, Toyota's second Chili Bowl win. Um, I got them there. I was lucky enough to get them their first win and, the, and their second one back to back. And, um, you know, everyone was there that was associated with Toyota and, you uh, so, and the fans were going crazy, and your emotions are high. You won a big race. And um, so I figured, like, I would show back and give something back to them and um, do something crazy. And I just held the throttle wide open and uh, see what happened. How many rotations did, did you I don't get know. I honestly <laughs> don't know. How many. It, was, it was a lot. I was watching
2: the replay last night. It looked like, I don't know, at when least you, a half dozen. It's <laughs> crazy when
1: you, the G forces, when you're spinning that fast, it almost like, holds your foot wide open on the throttle where you can't, like, you're sucked back in the seat and um, <laughs> your foot's wide open. So I had to hit the kill switch to stop. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. <laughs>
2: so safe to say this was the first time you'd attempted something um, that Yeah, I did exuberate. the pr- okay.
1: previous year, but they were not nowhere near as good as the second one.
2: Okay, cool. Um, the first story I ever wrote uh, for NBCSports.com slash NASCAR was actually your first Chili Bowl win. It was right after I started uh, at the company. And, of course, like... At that time, there was a lot of interest in your story, and I know you've, you've, you've told this before, but uh, because this is a podcast where we have casual uh, racing fans listen, I thought I'd, I'd kind of explain how you operate the car, um, and I know that in sprint cars and midgets you used um, foot blocks uh, to yep, help with the accelerators. They, look, they
1: just look like shoe boxes in the floorboard, and everything's moved up about six inches, mm-hmm. um, just obviously with my shortness and stature, and then... Um, behind the seat it's um you know moved forward six inches and then um i believe it is the same with the truck or with my tundra and with um my canon east car i drove last year um to i believe it's six inches from the seat bar to um the seat um to the steering wheel right um and then the pedals are off the dashboard bar same exact spot um the Tundra and the East car were in. Did you do all of those modifications yourself or do you consider? No. So um, H Scott Motorsports did the first ones um, with my East car and then uh, Thor Sport Racing, they basically copied my East car and um, I believe NASCAR came to H Scott Motorsports and went over it all with them, what they would like to see. And then they, um, you know, compared notes and came up with a conclusion gotcha
2: uh naturally going back to that that story i wrote i was looking at that one some other ones around that time about a year and a half ago there was a lot of interest uh in how it would work i'm sure you had no qualms about it all because you'd you'd raced sprint cars yeah. mid- midgets, sort whatever of for, for for years and and you were confident in it what, was there any concern on your part or were there any like um, hiccups in no, getting used not to at it all. Not at all yeah no
1: i was fine yeah you know i knew i knew i was going to be fine um i ran a late model race um a couple nights before the K N opener at New Smyrna Speedway um, last year, and um, I knew after that first night I was going to be fine. Yeah, how many? Ser- you mentioned that you, you haven't really focused on on one
2: series uh, so much until getting to to trucks, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right? How many series do you have you raced throughout your career? Um, I
1: believe two years ago I raced um, with uh, fourteen different sanctioning bodies. Fourteen, and I won a race <laughs> in every sanctioning body. Wow. Uh, Last year. It was last year. Oh, okay. With the NASCAR, Canon, E-Series, the World of Outlaws, the USAC midgets, the Power Eye midgets, um, you know, USAC CRA sprint cars. There was some, it was, there was a long list and, uh, you know, with the MOA sprint cars, uh, IRA sprint cars, just different series um, between um, California all the way to Pennsylvania. Uh, And we got to travel. I'm lucky enough to, have a sprint car team that travels all all over the country, um, and allows me to race. And then uh, Keith Coons Motorsports and their partnership with Toyota allows me to race um, his cars on my off weekends, um, with um, when there's no NASCAR Camping World Truck Series racing. So, and then I'm at Thor Sport Racing right. um, when. I am, uh, when there's a NASCAR truck race.
2: So, so trucks are
1: the priority, but yes, sir. You, But yeah. you're, you're running. Uh, um, I've been running a lot. Yeah. yeah. This month of June, I think I have like 16 races. Um, okay, and like 10 of them are within this week or really? next week. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's a busy, this is a busy month. For- this is my busiest month of the year. Yeah. Um, so it's good to get away, um, and come up here and get on some SIM time and, um, the biggest thing is I just never get tired of racing. I never get, you know, tired of being at the racetrack, and 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 I think that has to do a lot of, with um, the people I've been surrounded by, um, with you know Tyler and Andy Graves up here at Toyota, and Keith Coons with the Midgets, and um, my crew chief and my sprint car, Paul Silva, and and then um, you know Duke and Rhonda Dorson at Dorsworth Racing, and the, the team that they've supplied me. Yeah. Um, is and they're all just great people, and they're great people to be around, um, which is makes it fun and makes it a luxury for me and that's a majority of um, how I've had all of my success you did uh
2: did you end up doing like more than 130 races last year um
1: last year I think it was right at 115 and this year it's only going to be about um 85 so
2: only 85 yeah <laughs> <laughs> only more than twice as many as any yeah. probably spring cup driver um, will run well,
1: Brian Clausen's doing 200 so oh, he's, really? <laughs> he's okay. got, like 215 of them scheduled, so, uh, it, and which is it is exciting for our sport, um, for him to be able to do that, and yeah. you know to run the Indy 500 and then go run a sprint car race in the same day, which is pretty cool.
2: So how does Rico Abreu like plot out a season? I and mean, never mind 85, but when you're doing like 115 races, yeah. like 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 last year when you have the K and N and you're doing all this other stuff, like do you sit down in December and get out a calendar? Um, and yeah, out usually
1: January 1st, right after January 1st, all the schedules come out. There's a the okay. PRI show, in Indy. Um, is when everyone releases their schedules and uh, Kyle uh, Kyle Larson's dad Mike um, he goes through all of the schedules and the dates and he puts down every race um, on each day oh. and then um, he'll when he's through with it he'll email it to me and then I'll sit down with um, you know like this year when we announced the the truck deal we um, sat down and just mapped out each race that was feasible of going to, you know, that made sense. You know, I wasn't going to have my guys drive back and forth from Pennsylvania and California in the same week or something, <laughs> yeah. just a race. Um, so um, I, I'm, I did where I'm not racing um, three days before a, a NASCAR weekend. Um, so it gives me time to rest and get to a, um, you know, a truck race. Um, but I've flown after the day after a truck race to go race a sprint car.
2: How many how many guys are working like um? On um there's the so there's uh
1: two guys on the sprint car, Paul mm-hmm. Silva and Trevor Canales. Um I believe there's five at Keithkins Motorsports now. Um they have a few more cars this year, but last year there was only three guys um with three cars. Um and then um and then my truck team um with um Thor Sport is I believe seven to eight guys. An engineer and a crew chief,
2: and so all of, so th- th- at any given time, that there could be like three trucks going to different places around the country with uh, carrying yeah. vehicles with yeah, your car. Okay, possibly there could be. Yeah. Wow, uh, that must be. Do you think about that sometimes? I like all logistics, for,
1: um, Keith, that much this year, just yeah. because his schedule is a lot more a lot busier than um, it has been in the past, and uh, so I've been running a lot of sprint car races, but uh, I've flown to California a few times um, after a few truck races and went and raced at home.
2: So it's just a way of life. I mean, it
1: doesn't yeah, it's what I've been doing yeah. the last five years. So it's kind of, you know, normal to me. Yeah.
2: You said that, um, you never get sick of racing. You started fairly late in life. Do you think, do you think that might be part of the reason? Um,
1: why? I don't know. Honestly, I, I wouldn't know. Um, I, I don't see, um, too many drivers getting, super like you know kyle Larson and and christopher bell started really young and Mm -hmm. um you know they they get they race any opportunity they get
2: yeah rico obviously you have i mean you have have a lot of success on the track clearly with the chili bowl wins and all the other victories you've had in all these different series but you have a unique story off the track as well and um I'm wondering, like, when you race in each of these series, is there, like, an adjustment period in which maybe people get used to to having you there? Uh, in, uh, the example I think of is, like, uh, Booty Barker. Um, you know, 13 years ago when in his first season as, as a Spring Cup crew chief, I would turn my head when I'd see, like, him in his wheelchair scooting through the garage because it was, it was a unique thing to see. But 13 years later, it's become completely second nature. It's mm-hmm. commonplace, which is... That's, of course, the way Booty always wanted it, and that's why he didn't do interviews when he first came in the Cup about about uh, his situation because he wanted it to just seem normal. Um, yeah. What What is it like from your perspective and with your story? Is it sort of the same thing where people, like, is there an adjustment period? Yeah, out?
1: I think it's exciting, um, and it's something new, and um, and it's someone to root for if they didn't have anyone to root for. So um, it doesn't bother me at all being mm-hmm. different. Um, I think... The biggest part is um, how my, you know, how I was raised, how my parents raised me, and uh, and how what they allowed me to um, follow my dreams, and and they really just pushed me to go do things that excited me, um, and I think that's definitely, um, you know, where I'm at today is, and and how I outlook things, and um, you know, and how little things don't bother me anymore, or never really did, just. Um, You know, like the biggest things was not being able to ride the rides at Disneyland. It made me so mad. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> just because I knew I was okay to ride them, but yeah. um, you know, obviously the highest requirement, the insurance policies. But I didn't understand it then. Um, yeah. Just because I was riding motorcycles with no helmets on out in our backyard, and it's like I can't believe you can't do anything like that. But yeah. Um, but I just, you know, I wanted to, I want, I've always wanted to be treated normal, you know, just because I wanted to be like everyone else. And, and now I, I, you know, wake up every day and I don't even realize I'm different and I don't ever, it doesn't ever cross my mind. Um, yeah. you know, I, there's nothing I cannot do.
2: I mean, cause again, like speaking candidly, like when I first heard about your story, I think it was, um, Derek uh who told me about your story at, mm-hmm. at NBC Sports that um like like that you were coming into the K&N series and kind of explained to me how you've been this open wheel phenom but you also had another side to it and then when you started in K&N like it's the same thing for me like initially like it was like wow this is someone who obviously is is of different stature as you said than the rest of the drivers how does this work and now like a year and a half it's like I don't think of yeah. that at all. Like when I think of you, I think of you. Hey, rookie, driving for Thor Sport, yeah. learning the trucks, and does all this other racing on the side. So I would presume that's sort of yeah the goal. So like you, I, yep. you, yeah, you want to be an inspirational story, but at the same time, you want to just sort of just fit like in everyone else. Yeah. yeah, your brothers and sisters? Yeah, yeah. I okay. have
1: a 21 year old brother and a 14 year old sister. They're all average size. Played sports. Okay. Um, my brother's a does decathlons at Cal Poly and San Luis Obispo, and uh, he's studying vineyard management viticulturists um, down there in Southern California. And my sister is going to be a freshman in high school, and she shows market hogs um, with my that's something she does with my dad um, and uh, and a friend of ours, um, you know, and they're. Busy every weekend um, showing pigs.
2: Gotcha. Okay.
1: So my dad makes his trip. So he'll come to a truck race on Friday night, and then he'll fly to a pig show on Saturday, and he'll <laughs> fly home
2: Sunday. And what does the pig show in, entail? Like how does that? Um,
1: they're actually really cool. Um, it's something I grew up around. Uh, you know, they're judged by a judge, and they go from shows anywhere from um, two thousand market hogs to you know a hundred market hogs at our county fair in Napa. Um, they go to the California state fair. Um, they're just, there's, they, you know, a lot of, uh, national livestock shows from Denver, Louisville, Iowa world has world pork expo. Um, and they, everyone brings their livestock and, uh, shows them off. So that, and you mentioned viticulture is something your, your, your family is involved yep. in. Yeah. So my family owns a vineyard management business and my dad takes care of about 30 ranches, um, throughout the Napa Valley. Um, as well as makes a little bit of wine on the side.
2: Gotcha, and that's something. If racing ever weren't to work out, yeah, that might be something, it's something, you something you get I enjoy into. being around. Definitely,
1: huh. whenever I get home, I'm I'm around it. I was born around it, um, so uh, and it's something you know. I really look up to my dad um, and how he's um, built um, such a business that um, you know can run itself for him to um, spend so much time with his kids. And it's the older you get, the more you realize how difficult it is to you know go to work every day and um raise your kids and uh it's something is my dad is very special at doing and and it's unbelievable how much time he can make um for each one of his kids, and then go to work and um, and be successful at what he does.
2: And you mentioned he and your mom's uh, influence on your upbringing. It sounds like uh, you know, trips to Disneyland or, or working in the family business. You were just encouraged. You were treated like all yeah. Like the rest I was of your never, siblings. That's was that, the same. I think
1: that's to why today why I I I swear I wake up every day and don't realize like that I'm I look different and mm-hmm. uh, I think that's um, one reason um, why I'm like that because they never allowed me to be different, um, and they never treated me differently, so, um, I, I grew up in a small town, so everyone knew me, um, I went to a high school with, uh, you know, 300 kids, so everyone knew me, and, um, I never got, you know, bullied or anything, and uh, which, makes my situation so unique.
2: Yeah. Uh, You mentioned uh, your your friendship with with Kyle Larson and and his dad, and I know your families seem to know each other pretty well. I've heard you say before that you would consider Kyle to be almost like a brother. How how did you guys grow so close?
1: Yeah, um, just um, racing together. Mm -hmm. Um, When he raced sprint cars, I was, you know, kind of following up through the ranks behind him. Um, I went through go karts pretty quickly, Um, you know, only a few years and got into a sprint car. And then Um, We raced kind of in the same camp, and then um, he traveled on to Keith Coons Motorsports um, when Toyota made their partnership with him, and uh, he was kind of the first driver there, Um, and I felt like he, you know, Keith Coons Motorsports really took off after Kyle Larson left um, racing there, and then um, I made the trip over to Keith Coons Motorsports and and was there for three years, and then... um, Started racing stock cars after that. How is uh? And I just got to be around Kyle all yeah. the time. We spent the summers together. We stayed in the same house in Indianapolis, and um, you know, so we were together all the time. You know, and uh, and then he started. He came to the Cup Series, and um, you know, we're not together as much, but whenever we hang out, um, it's no different than um, a best friend at home. You always click off, um, just how you left off.
2: Sure. I don't know if you did. You read the thing that Mike Larson wrote this past week um, about i haven't re- i've seen okay. the
1: repost about it um that driver's project yeah uh, they've been doing some good articles yeah it was um, it was on a lot of special drivers yeah and it, well done it was, it was fascinating a yeah. good re- i haven't read it yet
2: um I'm, I'm sure you'll get the chance it's you know a fascinating story they're
1: really deep detail- they they basically just write down what um you know what comes right out of mike's mouth yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. like it's quoted from
2: and it, it kind of talked about like how Kyle came to Ganassi. Were you aware of that, or were you part of that
1: process? Or um, you, yeah, you, you I know, was. That's when we were spending the summers together. When you know he was, um, you know he was winning, you know, thirty races, open wheel races a year, and yeah, um, and then won the Can Am East Championship on the last race. So. so
2: did that kind of give you something like to aspire to? Like, hey, yeah, he's a great friend. That's he's what made it. Yeah. I
1: think. That's where you know I became so competitive when I raced um, because. I was always racing against him, like you're racing against a best friend every weekend, and obviously you want to beat him, and um, so it's someone really to chase, and uh, it's who I'm chasing to the Cup Series. Yeah.
2: Um, One more for you, Rico. Another guy who you've you've been um, pretty friendly with is Tony Stewart, and uh, I know that uh, you're (laughs) you're going with him, I guess uh, tonight to Kings Royal. I know did did he help you last uh, year, like in terms of Uh, shuffling between races? Here and there. Tony
1: and I, uh, um, honestly, have just gotten close these last um, this last year. Oh, really? Um, okay. You know, he put his house up for my sprint car team. The three of us stay in his house in Indianapolis. Um, oh. And it's about ten miles from Keith Coons Motorsports, so um, we leave our sprint car at Keith Coons his shop and then stay at Tony's house. And uh, it's got like eight bedrooms in it. So his ha- his bedroom's on the other side of the house, and we stay on the other side. So. Um, and, it, and it's really um, nice of him to do that. And, uh, and he's home a lot now, so um, he's there on our days off when um, he allows us to go out on his lake and fish and, and just get away from racing um, during the week, uh, which, um, which is really good um, for people who race every weekend. And uh, it, that's what makes you not get burnt out.
2: Does he, does he uh, travel with you sometimes? I mean, oh, you, no, no, no. Okay, all right. Yeah, he's so, on his
1: own agenda. So,
2: so you, I, I remember, I thought, I think I saw last year, he, he said he might help fly you between like, you know, if you were in Yeah, or he said to if I needed to ever yeah. get
1: somewhere, um, he would do it, but I don't want to use him um, for any situation like that. <laughs> I'd rather just be a friend than um, use him for anything.
2: Okay, which means you'll be, I'll continue to see you flying commercial as I yeah, think I, I did on the way to India. Yeah, every,
1: like, i I've spent like 250 days in a hotel room the last two years, so it's nice to stay at Tony's house, um, stay in an uh, actual bedroom. We actually have been, um, we used to eat out all the time, and now we cook, um, we cook dinner at his house. and uh, Oh, really? Cool. So it's it's something nice to do. Cool. But I've been flying. I still fly commercial, and I, and I probably stay flying <laughs> commercial. It's not, it's easy for me. It's easy for me to lay my head against a window and, and sleep, so yeah, I don't complain. Okay. Well, I hope your flights don't get delayed or,
2: or canceled. No, At least I, yeah. Eighty five races that you're trying to get yeah. to uh, this year. Um, hey, man, it's it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed uh, speaking with you, and thanks for taking time out of your busy thanks. day. Appreciate yep.
1: it.
0: I'm still getting the
2: hang of this podcasting thing. Naturally, I turned the recorder off just before Rico told some great stories about Tony Stewart cleaning out a store full of fireworks before the recent fireworks expedition that he shared on Periscope and Twitter shortly before the 4th of July. The lesson here, of course, always check a subject's social media feeds before you do a podcast with them or check the social media feeds of those they hang out with or spend a lot of time at their house with. So next time, uh, I'll make sure to do that. I'll be better prepared to ask the right questions and to quiz Rico Abreu more about how Tony Stewart basically, as Rico described it, lives on a or in a Bass Pro Shop store that just happens to sit on 400 acres. That was how Rico described Tony Stewart's spread in Indiana, where he obviously spends a lot of time. So hopefully we can have him back, and, and we'll, we'll ask him a little more about that. Again, our thanks to Rico Abreu for being here, and to Laura Finley of NASCAR IMC, and Lisa Hughes-Candy of Toyota Racing Development slash Golan Harris PR for making uh, the interview happen. We appreciate them coordinating it. Thanks to Tess Quinlan for producing the NASCAR and NBC podcast. This episode and all of the rest are available on Audioboom, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and again, a plethora of other smartphone apps. You also can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes for automatic downloads of new episodes. And also check out those same places for the NBC Sports Podcast lineup for more content. There's the podcast with Joe Posnansky, uh, Pro Basketball Talk, College Basketball Talk, Roto World. Uh, certainly many great options for listening to NBC Sports podcasts. If you have ideas for guests, suggestions, questions, please send me feedback on Twitter. That's a, at Nate Ryan. Or if you have questions about getting the feed to work, I got a few of those <laughs> this week. Uh, I will do my best to answer. Don't hesitate to send me tweets again at Nate Ryan. I'm always interested in hearing what people liked and what else they'd like to hear in the podcast. So thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. We appreciate it, and I hope you enjoyed it.
0: I'm Steve Latart, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus fuel system cleaner plus fuel stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline. And helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline.